listening to Daily Notes, presenting by Almost Sideways. On this episode of Daily Notes, we're going to be talking about Mulholland Drive from 2001 and also recapping some recent watches that I've had this last couple of weeks. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of the dark You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I win. Shall we begin? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam, and these are my daily notes where I have fun conversation about film. Today's conversation, guys, is going to be one that I have been putting off for a little bit. I've watched this movie a few weeks ago, and I digested it, and I've uh, I finally found the mental uh, stability to be able to step in front of this microphone here on my computer and talk about 2001's film directed by David Lynch, Mulholland Drive. Really excited to share my thoughts on this film here because it is a very interesting watch. It is a very really good film. I would say that just to kind of tease you for a little bit, get your your uh, mouth salivating there with my anticipation for my thoughts on that film. But I also wanted to recap, do some like bullet points, uh, some recent films that I've watched. Maybe not 2000 or not maybe not anniversary films or 2022 films. So I did I did watch Turning Red, and I, I don't want to like just have another review that the guys have done e- either. I want to keep it a little different, a little more fresh um, and spontaneous there for this episode. So it's going to have some recaps of a couple films here, um, and hopefully you guys enjoy them. So anyway, uh, let's talk about this little film called Mulholland Drive. I can't believe it. I'm just so excited to be here. I'm in this dream place. This one comes highly recommended. Dream place? What are you doing? Get out of the car. The girl is still missing. What's wrong? I don't know who I am. I wonder where you were going. Mulholland Drive. Alright, so Mulholland Drive came out in 2001. It is a film by David Lynch. And it's a run has a runtime of 147 minutes. It's starring Naomi Watts, uh, Laura Herring, Justin Thoreau, Ann Miller, Robert Forrester... Countless other people. As of as of now, on Letterbox, the description for this movie. So, if you haven't seen it before, you would have some kind of um, background to it, I guess. An actress longing to be a star, a woman searching for herself. Both worlds will collide on Mulholland Drive. Uh, Blondie Betty Elms has only just arrived in Hollywood to become a movie star when she meets an. A brunette with amnesia. Meanwhile, as the two set off to solve the second woman's identity, filmmaker Adam Kessler, Kaiser, runs into ominous troubles while casting his latest project. All right. So with that kind of description out of the way, it, it would seem like a straightforward film here. But David Lynch has that way about his filmmaking that uh, is not so easily accessible. Now, it's all common. If you guys have been listening to the podcast recently, you may not know this, but anybody who's been a long-time listener may know that as of last year when we did our top 100 films, I 
is put Elephant Man in my top 100 movies, which is also directed by David Lynch, and that came out in 1980, and it's known as the one more one of the more easily accessible David Lynch movies. That was my first, you know, introduction into his movies. I've never, to my knowledge, I have not seen any more of his films. I'm going through his filmography right now. Uh, I, you know, there's Mulholland Drive, Blue Velvet, Eraserhead, Elephant Man, uh, uh, he has, hmm, he has Dune here. I don't know, I've never seen the, the old Dune here, but some other films on his filmography too that are worth note, but at this point I've only seen Elephant Man. And also, you know, talking about the top 100 list, I know that Todd and Terry have both put this as top 100 movies and i'm going on to our website where we can see all our top 100 movies real quick you can find that on almostsideways.com so on our website currently it, everybody has this as a four star movie is that gave it three and a half stars but terry had it as his fifth favorite film of 2001 and todd has it as his number two favorite film of 2001 where Todd gave it his 17th best film of all time in mean, his top 100, and Terry has it at number 60 of his top 100. So going into it, I really had only that to go off of. And if you ask me, like, what they, if you what you remember them talking about when they gave their descriptions as why this is in their top 100, I can honestly not remember. I know Todd's was during the point where we're at all hanging out together, and I know that we had a couple beverages, beverages as I like to call it. And I don't remember anything about that area of filming. Uh, but Terry's, I sh no, not Terry's, I mean, not Todd's. But uh, Todd's, we did separately. We had re-recorded it because I definitely don't remember Todd's. But I don't remember Terry's either. Uh, but Todd, he, you know, we did the individual top 15s and stuff area. But I don't remember him really talking about what he said. But I suppose I could go back and listen to it. But anyway, I don't remember, recall anything that they said. And I only knew... Like, this film had this bonkers solo Oscar nomination, and it was for Best Director for David Lynch. So, I, I didn't have any background on any information. I don't I didn't want to research anything. I didn't watch a single trailer, because I know that's not going to help me out. Uh, so, what it, what's this movie about, in my own words? Um, well, I it's definitely kind of the description kind of fits it, but these two ladies who become friends and they're trying to help solve this weird mystery of amnesia because there's this weird car accident that has to be, happens at the very beginning of the movie and one of them Plato I know me wants is an actress who's living at her aunt's house for a time so that she can do an audition and there's a bunch of other things that happen with the little side stories along the way but that's only half the story. That's for like the first hour and a half. And then the next 40 minutes hit and it's completely different and it becomes even bonkers. It is such a mind trip. And I can honestly say like, what was the movie about? I can't, I, I don't know. I don't have the words. I don't have, you know, mental stability. However, though, do I love it? I, I really enjoy this movie quite a bit because of how much it's making me think. And I absolutely love and applaud David Lynch for that. It makes me want to do another rewatch. Hell, this movie, when I spun this a while back now, when I spun this on the randomizer, I had to, I wanted to buy this on Criterion, first of all, because I knew they were just releasing a 4K um, restoration of it. Um, but if I was unable to get the 4K, at least settle with the Blu-ray, 
But then this like Criterion flash sale happened. I was like, this is the week that I'm going to get this done. I pre I ordered it from the flash sale, which is like a 50% off sale. Got it on 4K and I was amazed. I got sucked into this world. There's so many things that happen in this movie that is just crazy. And having David Lynch put this vision together somehow in his head and then put it out on the screen is mesmerizing to say the least the performances here from by naomi watts and laura herring um herring were just amazing here i thought naomi watts particularly i'm not a, the craziest fan of hers but she definitely blew me away here uh, laura herring here is um rita or camilla rhodes she is also really fantastic in here i think all the performances are just top notch and i think everybody plays their part to perfection but the real star here is definitely david lynch where he was able to manipulate in a story taking telling a pretty conventional conventional story line of somebody trying to find their identity and twisting that and turning that and subverting your expectations in a sense that gives you a completely different outcome than you were expecting at the, by the end of the credits and you're left wondering what actually just happened and then I'm trying to recap it and I'm like what was the last shot of the film? I don't remember because I'm, my brain is so perplexed by what was happening throughout the film uh, with that said though uh, this is a four star film because sometimes the things left unsaid are some of the best things Currently, this is also going to be in my top 10 of 2001. I'm pulling up my my top 10 list here. Uh, currently, before I watched this movie, my top 10 was In the Bedroom, Memento, A Beautiful Mind, um, Amelie, Ghost World, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Monsters, Inc., The Others, Hardball, and Oceans and 11. And I can honestly say to you right now, that my number one film, or my my uh, Mulholland Drive, would fall as probably in my number one film of 2001, or t actually second favorite film of 2000. I'm, I'm still undecided. Regardless, it's a top 100 movie now too because it it would bump out in the bedroom. In the bedroom is currently my number one of 2001, and that's number 72 on my top 100. And uh, that's a in the bedroom's a fantastic. Movie. I need to rewatch that movie. I, I think I criminally too low on my top one hundred. Memento on my top one hundred is also there at seventy eight. This gives you some context there. But a beautiful mind did not make my top one hundred. But for some reason, I have Amelie at number four there, and that's number ninety six. I think Amelie is getting bumped out at some point because I know I've watched some really good movies recently. But Mulholland Drive is definitely in the number one or number two range of top 10 films. So Ocean's Eleven is knocked out of there. Uh, but I got to say, this is a perplexing watch that if you haven't watched it any, at, at all, do yourself a favor. If you're a film fan, David Lynch fan, check out Mulholland Drive because I think there's some good perplexing elements there that you might dig. So top 100 movie here. I'm uh, really happy that I watched this film. And anyway, let's move on to the next segment of just talking about some random stuff that I've watched recently. All right, so I had to look at some some films here that I haven't seen that may be beneficial to talk about here. So this may come across as really um, odd, uh, some of the, the, the films here. But I've looked at some of the, the movies that I've kind of watched here uh, recently. And I've decided because we had the, the sole nomination for Mulholland Drive at the Oscars, I'm going to talk about another film that has a sole nomination at this 2022 Oscars. And... 
that movie that movie is going to be nominated for best costume design and that is going to be coming to america akim it appears you have a son he must be found prepare the royal jet we are going back to america oh hell no your majesty come on and if you didn't know it was a sequel it's coming to the number two Instead of T-T-O, it's the number two, America, because that's clever that way. Coming to America is directed by Craig Brewer, and I'm not really familiar with any of his work, but it comes in at 110 minutes, and stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Morgan Freeman, <laughs> Jermaine Fowler, Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, Kiki Lane, uh, Sh uh, Sherry Headley, Wesley Snipes, James, James Earl Jones, and um, John Amos. That's a bunch of other um, awesome actors in there, too. Uh, but Coming to America is a sequel of an Eddie Murphy classic film, um, one that he's really known for from the 80s, um, the same name, directed by John Landis, called Coming to America. It came out in 1988. Uh, but this new film we see takes place much later, of course, uh, and it's about Eddie Murphy's character. It, here's, what it, uh, here's the description. A sequel is in the air. Prince Akeem Joffer is set to become King of Samunda. When he discovers he has a son he never knew about in America. A street savvy Queen's native named Lavelle. Honoring his royal father's dying wish to groom this son as the crown prince, Akeem and, and Simi set off to America once again. So it's, it, it has the title, Coming to America, where a lot of the movie does not take place in America. It does have this couple little segments here and there, but a lot of it takes place in Samunda, and there's a lot of interactions with Eddie Murphy as Prince Akeem and Jermaine Fowler as Lavelle Johnson, his uh, son. So obviously this is an Oscar-nominated movie, so I, I felt compelled to watch it. It is streaming um, for free on Amazon Prime, which is also rather appealing. Uh, but for me, I, I didn't revisit the other Coming to America movie. I, I'm not a huge fan of that John Landis movie. I'd rather watch Beverly Hills Cop, if I'm being honest, from the 80s. Bill, Mur um, Bill Murray, wow, Eddie Murphy. I'd rather watch Beverly Hills Cop from the 80s for Eddie Murphy movies. Uh, but Coming to America never really uh, appealed to me. I, I find it, some of the jokes funny from the original one, but this one, I, more like chuckles, I guess. Uh, it's... Eddie Murphy just trying to make a sequel. You know he has a he's been prevalent prevalent recently because he came back for SNL a few times, and I'm just glad he's doing some stuff and he's been in some decent. I don't know if really let's see what he's been in recently. I think he's has been in some stuff recently, but this one was just not it. He oh yeah, Dolomite is my name. He wasn't that one. He was kind of in contention to get an Oscar nomination. He was on the outside looking in, unfortunately, on that. And I know they're trying to make a Beverly Hills Cop show. I think it's called Axel, about his son. Coming to America here, it's they rely on a lot of jokes, but it feels really outdated. Costumes are really good, though. So I get the understanding of why it was nominated here. But for me, it's just a lot of the jokes fall flat. I know I'm really behind on this. Like, this movie came out months ago, and I a lot of people weren't a huge fan of it then. And it still does not appeal to me here. I really don't like the idea of, like, just making sequels to comedies so many later, much so many years later. Heck, they even made a joke about a sequel coming out much later, and they even referenced, like, it not being that good. 
they knew what they had on their hand and they still made a joke about it. That's uh, appalling to me. But anyway, this is a one-star film. I think the costumes give it to that one star for me. Um, It's at least tolerable. It's not something like I absolutely hated, but it's just really dull and not funny. Wesley Snipes here is actually kind of interesting. I kind of wanted to see more of him. Funny enough, I've watched four Wesley Snipes movies this year. Um, The most of anybody I've seen other than the jackass movies we binge watched all that so i have a ton of all those character actors in there and then wesley snipes for we watched all his blade movies but and then we watched this one anyway one star film for me for coming to america uh, not super entertaining so i would i would stay away from it unless you just want to watch all the oscar movies here i'm uh, going into my next one i'm kind of looking like look at my list here i'm like i want to stay true to oscars i definitely want to stay true to the oscars and i think i'm going to go with Mm-hmm. That we're gonna go over the eyes of Tammy Faye, starring Jessica Chastain. It's all part of our mission to help people. Anyone who's hurting or they feel like they've been left out, God has a plan for us. What did he tell you to do this time? Jesus keeps a ticking me higher and higher. Jim will preach and I'll sing. Higher and higher. God does not want us to be poor. Mother, father, a pleasure. Now God has a voice in this fight. Who's he fighting? Liberal agenda. Faith isn't political. You can't talk to him like that. Jerry Falwell's a powerful man, Tammy Faye. She's a firecracker, Jim. (laughs) If everyone watching could double their pledge just for one month, God loves you. He really does. We're not doing anything wrong, though. Is that a question? Directed by Michael Showalter and has a running time of 126 minutes. Also stars Andrew Garfield as Jim Baker, Sherry Jones as Rachel Grover, Vincent D'Onofrio, and a couple other people here too. But those are the big prominent names. So this one is nominated uh, for a little more for makeup. Also for best performance by a leading actress uh, for Jessica Chastain. And i got to say... my wife's a huge Jessica Chastain fan, and I was regularly say that I'm not the biggest fan. I really like a lot of her movies, but some of her movies just I do not care for too much. I don't like everything that she's in, but was really anticipating this one and seeing her her transformation on screen was blown away. I thought this is probably one of my favorite Jessica Chastain performances. Maybe not movies, but performance wise, yes, I absolutely like this movie a lot. They definitely try to cram in a bunch of um, stuff into one. A two-hour film, which so a lot of it gets kind of mulled over, I guess, um, kind of, kind of quickly bypassed, and a lot of the stuff, the big events, kind of take place during monol, um, not monologues, but um, what's it called? I, um, not that's mo- not monologues. It's basically, um, all right. The word I'm looking for is montage. I had to stop my recording just to find that word. I don't know why I couldn't think of montage. I said monologue for crying. I was like, basically half the letters are right there in the word. Anyway, so a lot of the events of the the story, character flaws of these characters are in montages. Montages. So, you know, Tammy Faye and Jim Baker are televangel televangelists on TV, and. Obviously, they had this big corporation, and they get a lot of money from the uh, the church or from the people of their congregation, from their audience, and obviously, these are the rise and fall of this ministry. Now, 
I didn't have overwhelming wealth of knowledge from about these two people. However, I do I have seen televangelism on TV quite a number of times. Um, but obviously, these ones are really uh, the two ones that we we're focusing on here because they're they had this crazy uh, rise and then fall again too. Uh, but uh, the performances for Andrew Garfield here and Jessica Chastain are breathtaking. They are really good, especially Jessica Chastain. Uh, Andrew Garfield's no slouch. He had a hell of a year last year with Tick Tick Boom, and then uh, it, there's it's time's up, guys. I have to tell you, uh, he's in Spider Man. I don't know if you guys care, but he's in Spider Man. He's in Tick Tick Boom, and he had this Eyes of Tammy Faye movie. He's really good. He had a great year this year, and. This movie is a three-star movie. I thoroughly enjoyed my time watching this. I would actually probably watch this again, just for the performances alone. But it's also not a dull biopic. It's actually pretty entertaining. It's sloppily paced at times, yes. But there's a way that Michael Stolwalter directs this movie that makes it thoroughly entertaining. And it's definitely worth your time watching it. I'm not really sure any more Michael Stolwalter's films here. The Big Sick, huh? That's a good movie. And The Lovebirds. And Hello, My Name is Doris. No wonder I like this movie. I like three of the four of those movies. So, yeah, that's interesting. I um, definitely like that. That makes me happy now. <laughs> All right, so that's kind of like the, the main oscar movies I've seen recently. Uh, however, I will kind of just quickly talk over some, some other movies. I'm not going to really... The King's Man is also streaming on Hulu. I'm not a huge fan of this movie. I thought the other films were a lot better kind of found this one rather boring and then also let's talk about this um wild card with from 2015 starring jason satham really fun oscar um, not oscar but really fun las vegas movie i enjoyed it quite a bit i uh, giving it three stars there wild card from 2015 jason satham kicking ass in vegas it's awesome and cop shop 2021 movie with uh frank grillo and uh gerard butler I really liked the kind of the 80s action-y vibe, kind of Assault on Precinct 13, minor vibes to it, uh, but there's pacing issues here that makes it like a 2.5 star film. Some really fun action shootouts here, but I can't really go any higher. Anyway, uh, I could go talk about, I've seen a lot of movies recently, so I, I don't want to bog down the episode with just a quick little recap. So let's move on to the next blind spot watch. Let's get this roulette wheel out here uh, and see what what year we're going to be reviewing or what movie we're going to be reviewing on the next one so as if you're the first time listening i have um any number any year that has a two or a seven at the end of it that year is um on the board here with also the big blind spot so from eight, all the way back from 82 87 92 97 2002 2007 2012 2017 and big blind spot so i've randomized it here and now we're going to click and see what year or big blind spot that we're going to watch this year here we go all right right there stop right there please Okay, okay, I can dig it. Not what I was, I was kind of wanting 97, but we have 2002. Okay, okay, I got you. Let's see what we got here. Let's put some movies on here. All right, so we got 10 movies here on our roulette wheel to see which ones we're going to be watching in the next, for 2002, that is, for our blind spot. I didn't do 25th Hour, 
with Edward Norton because I got invited on the main podcast. The guys are going to deep dive that at some point, and uh, Zach says I need to watch it for my first time and talk about it with them. So I'm doing it on this time. But anyway, our list currently holds Chicago, City of God, Adaptation, Far From Heaven, Punch Drunk Love, About a Boy, Bowling for Columbine, Hero, Eternal Affairs, The Cat Returns. There are some films. These are 10 movies that i kind of been really wanting to watch. I have a big, long list here, so I just picked the kind of most interesting ones um, off the top here. I really want to see Chicago. I've, obviously, the musical, but Punch Strike Love is the one that if I get that, I'm going to try to get Zach on for that one. Adaptation with Nicolas Cage would be good. Far From Heaven, I know it's a top 100 movie for a couple guys on the website. Internal Affairs, I should have to watch this already because it's the... It's the original Departed, gotta watch The Departed, and then Bowling for Columbine would be a documentary, that would be tear-jerking there. So, let me shuffle it up a few times here, and boom, 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 shuffled up, and now we're gonna roll it. Let's go it. Let's do it. Spin, spin, spin. Ooh, here we go. Guys are gonna be happy about this one. It's far from heaven, guys. Far from heaven. I, I'm excited. I don't know. I don't remember what the guys were say, how they said about this movie, but it's far from heaven. I just got spun it, and I'm really stoked about it. Anyway, guys, that's t- t- today's show. We talked about Mulholland Drive. We talked about a couple Oscar films and t- Eyes of Tammy Faye coming to America, and we recapped some other ones as well. So, and then I spun Far from Heaven. Really, it could be more ex- um, happier than that. So, just leave it on eye. So, anyway, I'll talk to you guys later in the next one, and keep watching movies. Bye.